Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Today, we have a wonderful guest joining us, Emily Wyatt of Wyatt Designs, based here in Atlanta. Emily's designs are fresh, classic, and bespoke. But the signature strength of Emily's practice is her ability to achieve these results while working within her clients' budgets. Keeping this strength in mind, today we're going to get into the ins and outs of hiring an interior designer. From choosing the right designer to work with, to making sure you're satisfied with the results, today's conversation will help you get through the process. Welcome, Emily. Thanks for having me. We're excited to have you here. So tell us, what is the first... (laughs) I know we are diving deep today and going to hit just you with some hard We're just jumping straight in. So what is the first thing we need to do when we're thinking about hiring an interior designer? Mm, good question. <laughs> so <laughs> I would say probably number one, first, most important thing is research. Kind of like you're going to approach anything, anyone you're going to hire in life, I would say um, to do anything, you got to do some good research. So research on our own style, research on designer style? Both. I would say um, I would start by talking to anybody you know who's recently worked with a designer or anyone who's in the industry, be it a builder or, you know, any sort of tradesmen and see if you can get some recommendations. I think that's always helpful. And then of course, we're in such a digital age. I feel like Instagram and all of and websites and Pinterest and all of the different places you can go to get design inspiration are always helpful to sort of culminate what you're liking and what designers styles you're liking, and then kind of get a little list together of who you're interested in. And then the most important part is reaching out to those people and just starting a conversation. I think the biggest, most important thing when you're hiring a designer is to look for chemistry. I feel like that's always, people always think it's really important, you know, to, you obviously want to love their style and their taste and their approach and their process and their pricing. But I think in order to have a successful relationship with your designer, you know, really looking for someone who you connect with is really important. So just reaching out to them, having conversations, getting an idea of their process, their price, and sort of honing in on who you connect with the most is is what I would say is a good starting point. Is there any credentials we need to look for? That's funny. So I would say in days of old, yes. I remember when I first got into the industry, it was a big thing to be like ASID certified and go to design school and have like a whole you know, look great on paper. But if I'm being totally honest, you know, I am not ASID certified. I did not go to design school. I was a political science major who wanted to go to law school um, and just decided at the last minute to pursue my creative endeavors. I think loosely, no, you don't really need to look for specific credentials. I would say just word of mouth and liking their tastes and styles probably more important. 
are there any red flags that we should be looking out for to make sure that this is going to be a good fit? Yeah, also a great question. Um, and I think I think that goes also back to your chemistry with the person. And, and speaking with them, I feel like we as designers, we get interviewed all the time. People call, we're, we're looking to hire a designer, we're talking to a few, want to hear about your process. But I feel like it's also our job in those conversations to sort of interview them as well and make sure it's a good fit from both sides. And I feel like that conversation is a great opportunity to look for red flags. And again, back to the word of mouth, having conversations with people who've worked with people, just keeping an ear or eye out for things that maybe don't appeal to you. Like, you know, maybe they can't get you in a certain amount of time, or maybe they're not very upfront with managing expectations or letting you know when they can put you on their docket, you know, sort of that, that kind of stuff. Um, Of course, if you, if you hear any bad things about them, you would want to, that would be an obvious red flag. But I, I mean, friends talk- don't like them. Exactly. Like <laughs> or they, you know, of someone who had a bad experience with them or, you know, which I think is also kind of mm-hmm. tough because kind of keep going back to connecting with people in chemistry. I feel like, you know, I've learned in this industry that there's a lot that goes into it and like the level of communication and the level of just the relationship is what's so important. And so I feel like as you're interviewing the clients and they're interviewing you, just making sure the whole conversation, I guess, you have a good feel about everything about it. I feel like you think it's just as simple as, well, I like her taste. I want to hire her. But, you know, it all it all comes down to like connecting with the person and making sure you feel because everybody needs something different in this process. Right. Some people are really visual. Some people are indecisive and don't need a lot of options presented to them. You kind of have to tailor your approach to each client's need, I feel like. And so it's not like a one size fits all kind of setup, I would say. This always feels overwhelming to a common yes. person. This is overwhelming. This is, yes. and we know that it's also something we all desire because we mostly have homes and things we live in most of the time. So sure. Yep. We yep. would like to make beautiful places that are cohesive and yes. work for us. And that is what you all, you know, that is your, your job to make our homes better. So right. anything we can do that. And I think that's why this conversation is so important because so many won't even take the first step because they're right. like, well, I can't afford one or I don't exactly. need one or are they going to try to do too much? And I just am so uncomfortable. Yeah, it's very ambiguous. And that's kind of why I say you have to really get a feel for the designers you're interested in because you know some designers will not do just one room. They only do whole houses. Mm -hmm. Some designers only do one room. They kind of have like a turnkey process. So finding one who can sort of accommodate your needs and meet you where you are. Mm -hmm. You know, I have clients that come to me and they're like, I love design. I love shopping. I love the hunt. I really just need consultation or I really just need like access to fabrics or recommendations, but I want to be a big part of it. So you want to find a designer who's willing to do that because I've learned, you know, I've inherited a couple clients actually recently who had bad experiences with previous designers because they just didn't feel like they had any say so in the process. 
so I think knowing that there's some out there who want who like I've heard that there are some designers that have in their contracts that you can't buy anything without their approval, which to me is insane because I'm like, it's, it's your home, it's your stuff. And in order to execute mm-hmm. a home that you feel comfortable in and reflects you and your family and your lifestyle, you, you really want them to have a big part in that. And then to the opposite mm-hmm. end, I have some clients who come to me and are like, I'm a full-time surgeon. I don't even have time to think about this. I don't want to see a sample. Mm-hmm. I just want to give you my budget and give you, you know, give me a high level overview of what I'm looking at and then you go for it. So I think the trick of it and sort of the creative part of the process is sort of like meeting people where they are. And so if you're intimidated mm-hmm. by hiring someone, I think a big part of it is just finding someone who can meet your needs because everybody's needs are different. Mm-hmm. So maybe even before the interview process starts, Mm -hmm. like figure out where you are in the involvement level. Does that make sense? Yes. So either you want to be completely hands-on or Jesus take the wheel. Right, exactly. And I think it's helpful to know, like I can always tell when someone reaches out to inquire about our process and our services, you always can get a good feel from that email. If they can articulate what it is they need, And not everyone's good at that. And that's totally fine. I've had wonderful working relationships and projects where people are like, hey, I'm interested in your service. (laughs) And that was it. But (laughs) a lot of times people will come to you and say, here's what I'm looking for. And so I feel like that if I'm hiring a designer, I like to go ahead or if I'm hiring, I think of in my own shoes, like if I'm hiring a contractor to work on my home or you know, an artist to paint something for me, I like to, I think it's always smart to go ahead and have a good understanding of your own needs before trying to solicit someone's help. I thought it was really great to hear you say that you are being interviewed by by potential clients all the time. So mm-hmm. if I'm looking for a designer to hire, should I come up with a set of questions and yes. kind of understanding of where I'm at and then maybe find two or three designers to to talk through? And is that a good process to go through for starting to find a designer? Absolutely. And again, I mean, I think this applies to anything in life that you want to approach is it's, I'm just someone who feels like knowledge is power. And so I feel like I like to get all of the knowledge I can on any certain small thing. Again, even if it's, I'm hiring someone to renovate my bathrooms or I'm hiring someone to teach my son piano lessons, whatever it is, I like to like do a lot of research, kind of wrap my mind around it, get my own ducks in a row. I think that I guess I would say is the most crucial, like critical part from the onset is getting an idea of your own needs. Like you said earlier, kind of what type of client you think you'll be getting some questions together for each designer that you're talking to. Because again, you'll you'll probably notice a huge, I mean, being in this industry is I worked 10 years on my own now and five years before for another design firm. And um, you could have several friends in the industry and colleagues and you, even amongst all of us, you kind of see such a difference in how we all approach the process. And so I think having your own questions to ask them is really important so you can get a good feel. Again, I think it's such a personal relationship. So I think, yeah, that's, that's, you know, step number one, it's really important. And maybe not just questions about style, but questions about, okay, what are, what is your timeline? What is your process? And what's your communication style? Absolutely. 
most important. Yep. It's just always, I feel like, especially this day and age and in this industry right now, with it being as crazy as it is, communication is everything. And so even I always say, you know, to my assistants, when we're reaching out to our clients or whatever, and, and I like, I love and appreciate this when anyone I'm working with on my own it has the same approach as communication, whether it's good or bad. I don't have an update for you, but I just wanted to reach out. Or or even if it's being clear from the onset when you're interviewing with someone like, well, I would love to help you. In fact, I, I interviewed for a job a couple months ago that I really wanted to do so, so, so bad. I, I loved the person. I loved the project, the scope. I loved her style. But I simply could not put it on my calendar in the time frame that she needed it to be done. And I was so disheartened to have to turn it down. And I was like, if you could wait at all, I would love to help. But I felt like it was more important for me to be honest up front. And a lot of this is also for my own mental sanity, because I've learned the hard way that I do this job because I love it. And I work for myself because I you know, have two small kids who keep me busy. And I really they're very young. So I want to have a big part in like their day to day life. But I also want to run my business. And so in order for me to keep that balance, and to keep my clients happy and manage each project, big or small, if you come to me, and you're like, I need pillows for my sofa, or I need to do a whole house, whatever the scope is, if I can't do it in the time that you want me to do it and give it the attention I feel it deserves. I just I learned a long time ago, your best yes can sometimes be a no. <laughs> so I feel yeah. like, again, back to the communication, just being able to be clear with people, no matter good or bad, is, is really a key part of this process as well. Is there a certain amount right now? Because again, things are so crazy. But if I called a designer today, it, it, what is the, do you know what the kind of ish of how long till like, process can even start or is everyone yeah. so backlogged? And I know that's generalized, but. Oh, sure, sure. I would say, again, it depends on when I can, or any designer could put it on their actual docket, like put a pen to paper, right? So our process, how we sort of approach it is, and again, this applies if you just want to refresh or you want to order a couple of things or you're doing a whole house you know, no matter the size, I have like a whole stack of files and I, I, I put it on a list and it's like an or first come first serve. I kind of tackle it that way. But yes, yes. So I, I think it, it depends highly on their current workload, right? And then sort of what your needs are. And then I feel like from the time, like let's say you hired me to just design a room for you. So the process would be, we would like meet, take measurements, pictures, get inspiration, have a conversation. And then from that point where we put a pen to paper, gather all of our ideas, pull all the samples, sort of culminate what we like to call our preliminary design plan. From that step to like circling back with the client, getting their feedback. I would say each sort of step in the process takes about a week or two. And no matter how fast we work, I would say it's usually about a month from the time that we put a pen to paper. And this is also assuming that the clients are decisive and, you know, can kind of move right. as quickly There's as so you many can. factors. Mm -hmm. So many variables. But I would say that process generally takes a month, maybe two. And then usually by that point, you have a good game plan. You have, okay, we were doing this sofa, we're doing these chairs, you kind of have everything together. And then the time to wait, you know, is <laughs> such a loaded that question. Part, yeah. it, the, this know, is what's so I crazy know. to me is right now, 
I can tell people you're looking at, you know, 16 to 20 weeks from the time that you click and pay to the time that your stuff is in your house. And sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised and it'll show up two weeks later. And then sometimes it'll be 25, 30 weeks. And you're like, where the heck is my sofa? <laughs> so the, right, once we right. turn it over to the manufacturers, it's so hard to know. But at mm-hmm. this moment where we're seeing things is from A to B, it can be anywhere from like four to six months, which is pretty wild. Yeah, that is wild. But I think it gives people, again, if you're even you know, playing with the notion, considering ish, like, yeah. Well, and to that point, if you're, if you're thinking about it and you're, you're waiting, maybe that will push you to go ahead and like make a decision and get the ball rolling because you're just, you're always playing against these lead times. So if you're Mm -hmm. like, well, maybe I'll, I'll reach out to someone this summer. Well, if you think about it, if you hire someone and get to work this summer, you still may not have stuff in your house by Christmas. So I would always kind of back into it by like, what's my goal here? Am I like wanting to have this done Mm -hmm. for a party or a photo shoot or whatever it is? You kind of want to back into it for the holidays or exactly. Okay. No, that really helps too. How much do I need to know about my look before I call you? Mm -hmm. Like that's a great question. So I would say most people who reach out would usually say they don't know what their taste or their look is. And I, I am such a proponent of, again, back to the research, like get on Instagram, get on Pinterest, even if you're going to send me things you don't like, like I, or, you know, we, so we have a, a new potential client questionnaire that we send out, which I think really helps people because if you can't think of the questions you need to ask, they end up being presented in front of you through our questionnaire. And it sort of helps guide you through coming up with what your look is, you know, do you like antiques? Do you like modern stuff? Do you like a mix? Are you transitional? So I think that typically, if you can't put to words what it is in the beginning, usually talking to designers, or even just looking at things and be like, I like this, or I don't like this, that can sort of help you hone in and like refine what you think your taste or look would be. Okay. I just didn't know. Yeah. Like, did I have, did I, I just need a room done yep, or do yep. I need to be, so you'll do any scale though, essentially. So I, I like to say that I will, and you know, oh, well. it all comes down <laughs> to timing, but I, you reach the point where, and this is such a happy, blessed problem to have, but you do reach the point where you, yeah. as much as I want to like, just come accessorize your bookshelves or help you pick out a sofa. And you think that sounds like quick and easy, but again, we have so many other things pulling you in other directions. It's not always that easy, but, but yes, in a perfect world, I, I will do, I feel like the best designers can achieve any look. Like I think, and then even on my website, I think you can tell, like I've done modern bachelor pads. I've done like super traditional for like my parents, friends, homes I've done, but the bulk of our work is young families. Practicality is key. We want it to be beautiful, comfortable, which I I would say when I ask people what their style is, that's the number one answer I get. We just want it to be beautiful, functional, and comfortable. So if I could put a, find what that would be in in a a word that I would say, oh, you're, you're this 
look or taste or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I would say <laughs> that's that's usually most people's goal. And if you can't mm. if you can't put your finger on what your look is, that's always a good place to start. How often does the scope grow once you start? Like, or you've done so good that they're like, well, okay, a lot. Now I'm ready. That's what you hope room. for. Yeah. And I always, yeah. I think okay. it's it's great because those are my favorite, like just the gift that keeps on giving the ongoing client. And some of my favorite projects were things that were sort of layered in and culminated over a few years because they end up with this amazing curated look instead of like a super decorated look. And mm-hmm. the way I like to because I, I have all scopes and all ranges of people. I'm doing a whole house. I don't have a budget. I want to do run room and here's my budget. Like, tell me what I can do within this. I feel like no matter what side of that you're on, we always like to say, <laughs> this is also very loaded and loose right now with this day and age, but I like to say like, we're not going anywhere and the stuff you pick is not going anywhere. So we're, we like to like put the whole plane together, the one room or the whole house or whatever, soup to nuts, paint the whole picture And then we tell clients, you can kind of use it like a menu. You can say, well, right now I can, in my budget, I can do my sofa, my curtains and my rug. And then I'll come back in a couple months or I have clients that'll come back in like a year and be like, all right, I'm ready to do my dining room. And we've already picked it out. And aside from like discontinued stuff or price increases, which are crazy right now, I feel like that's always very achievable. And again, I think it kind of gives you I mean, the stress of buying things financially and the decision fatigue people experience, it's kind of nice to be able to not feel so overwhelmed by like, oh, so I have to do this all right now? Like, well, what if I, I don't really know if I want like a blue ottoman. I kind of want to see what my white sofas look like when they come in. You know, it kind of gives you the opportunity to, I guess, layer it all in. Well, I think that's a perfect uh, segue into what I feel like a majority of I pulled some people for this Mm -hmm. podcast. I asked a whole bunch of friends. So like mid thirties, young families. So to your point, like everybody who's like more settled per se. And so I kind of was like, what do y'all need to know? Like before you, and, and cost was a number one. Like I think a lot of people don't think they can afford it and Mm -hmm. they just want to figure out how. So let's go into a very blank, which will go every which way, I'm sure. How much does it cost to? <laughs> the the most loaded question, I would say. Yeah. So it is. I, Everyone needs to know, though. <laughs> for sure. Um, and I think that, again, is, is different across the board, depending on what your needs are, what your taste level is. So we, uh, I would say, you know, in our questionnaire, we always ask, what's your budget? And I would say 50% of the time people write a number down. And I would say the rest of the time, they're like, well, we don't know. We don't know what stuff costs. What, what, what should our budget be? Like, um, and again, that's so loaded because you never want to presume that someone can spend a certain amount of money. And I, I fully believe, I mean, I'll come do your whole house in Ikea if you need me to. I feel like this should be accessible and available. <laughs> Everyone should be able to have a comfortable beautiful home, no matter what your budget is, right? I feel like what we do, if someone says, how much should we plan to spend? We don't really have an idea of budget. 
we like to kind of present them with things that we call it good, better, best. Okay, well, then here are three sofas, three different price points, three different looks, like what are you comfortable with? And again, in my mind, this is like a very creative piece of the puzzle is where do we allocate our money? You know, I need to do a whole room, I only have X amount of dollars. And you're looking at big ticket items like your your sofa, your drapes or whatever. And I can't, I, I don't want to stretch my budget so thin and then I have to cheap out on everything, which is also another way we can approach it. Like some people like to like take their number or their current, you know, whatever they've set aside and they want to try to do a whole room. And then some people are like, well, I want to get what I like. I kind of would rather just get a few things and then phase the rest in. So I feel like seeing what things cost and what you're drawn to, like why, like I had a client once who was like, okay, that works. Like I will look at good, better rest. So I show her all, all the things like here's three sofas, here's three chairs, here's three coffee tables. And she kept picking the most expensive ones. And I'm like, well, you know, that's going to add up pretty fast. So you have great taste though. At least from that point, we can see beautiful taste. Just yes, champagne taste. Yeah, exactly. And then sometimes we're like, well, that's what I want, and I'd rather only get my sofa right now, and I'm fine with that. But it helps to kind of see what things cost. And then you have the people that are like, well, I just I can't I can't spend this on that. And so we we price out what they like, and it's I always find it's easier to back into like more budget friendly options based on what they like than to say, okay, well, here's like three cheaper sofas or whatever, you know? And again, back to like this being the most creative part of the job is where to allocate the money. And I feel like being able to mix highs and lows and saying, okay, well, we're going to splurge and go for this sofa. Then we're going to go and get a good, a Ballard coffee table, or we're going to get, we'll source things that might be more comfortable for your budget or whatever. Right. And just sort of like mixing in like all the things and, or we're going to put this on our shopping list. We're going to hunt for it at Scott's and get a good deal. You kind of have to just be willing to hunt, I guess I would say. Great to know that you can, you can, there's options for how you take chunks off and there's options for how to get a room because I think there is also this idea that like when you see these gorgeous rooms that they've Mm -hmm. that somebody came in financially did everything top level and done and I think that is not the case I think a good designer has made it so to your point there's some lows in there there's obviously some highs but like you've made it work and I think that's important to know I think it's also good to really know that you're going to be able to work with clients that are that need to work on tiers to say like I'm going to get the sofa now but then we're going to do the drapes probably in six months or you know and then we're so that's that's really exciting and from a client side it's probably really great to know that you don't have to go all in big budget to work with a designer I think that's a huge misconception in this whole industry is because it is a luxury and it is in a lot of people's minds superfluous, you know? And so I feel like it shies people away, particularly husbands, I feel like. Like I'll if I had a nickel for every time I went places and you could just tell the husband's like not fully on board and like, well, how much is this gonna cost? And they end up loving the process and getting involved in it because they end up realizing, well, this isn't as like scary as I made it out to be in my mind. I mean, it is an investment. So I think if you look at it 
as an investment side of things, you know, you're investing in a sofa you're gonna have for 10 years. And, you know, if these sofas could talk and tell the stories of what has happened in this family, it creates, (laughs) it creates opportunities for a comfortable. So many goldfish. Exactly. (laughs) So many many glasses of wine and so many goldfish. (laughs) Yeah. I had heard once, and you can tell me if how off or on this is, but essentially you should set aside 20% of what your house price was for furnishing inside. Oh, interesting. Is that yeah. about right? That's, oh. Yeah, that sounds accurate. I agree with that. I mean, I think I think it's always good to have a number like that in mind going into it. Well, I just think people really don't even, to your point, to think about when you're going to hire one, just knowing how much some like a general is like really good. And but yeah. to your point, it can be so much because if you're moving walls and hiring contractors mm. and doing bathrooms, and you're di- looking at something fully different than just yep. furnishing. So, absolutely, it's a whole another animal. Okay, so on are there payment options in the sense of like paying by? piece paying by the hour like paying by phase yeah yeah again i think probably you would learn that most designers approach that side of it differently mm-hmm. i feel like personally we we again like to sort of cater to whatever our clients needs are if we're able so we always put together an estimate and i tell my clients to use it like a menu and so they can say all right i'm ready to move my sofa to an invoice etc or we want to do the whole house or the whole room or whatever so yes, there are options. And I don't know that everybody works like that, but we, I always, I mm-hmm. 100% of the time put myself in my client's shoes. And if I am decorating my home, I want to ha- be like, my husband would, he even as, and I am a designer and get great pricing. And he even still keels over whenever <laughs> I say, this is how much our, our dining table is going to be. And he's like, what, well, what's your price? As if I'm like going to upsell it to him or something, you know? <laughs> Um, but I want to have the luxury of like piecing things in as I can afford them. Or, you know, maybe I want to like shop for stuff for a while or whatever. I just think it's nice to have options at the end of the day. So, yeah, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. And I think every designer is probably different, but I think this goes back to the clear communication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Can absolutely. That, like, can we be straight up be like, listen, I, I like, how can I pay for this? Like, what yeah. are your, how do you, what are your, stuff? yes. And typically like we have it actually, I, I stand corrected. We don't have that explicitly listed out in our like contract that lists out our services, but I always mention that in conversations and these interviews with clients, because I think it's really important to know what your options are. Okay. I want to know about the install process and is is say we're doing a room and we're going to do the whole thing. What are some things to consider during the install process? My favorite part when the magic happens is the install process. Again, I think there's options and I think every project has its own specific needs. And so like, for example, if you're someone who's building a house and you are ordering a bunch of stuff and you don't have anywhere to put it as it comes in, most designers, like we have a like warehouse, a receiving warehouse that takes all of our stuff. And I give them the option. I'm like, you know, you can have it delivered as it comes in. We can store it all and do one big install. I think it's kind of whatever the clients want or need. But I think that the majority of the time, most people 
want the immediate gratification and want it as it comes in. <laughs> and do you, do you ever find that like somebody gets a sofa in and they're like, you know what, this isn't what I expected, but it's oh, gosh, mostly yes. not right because they don't have the right rug yet and that that hasn't come in yet or so is absolutely that happens a lot um and i think a big part of it is most of the time people are making these choices off of a sample that's you know a tiny square or a picture or kind of to your point they are trying to envision it all together but recently as an example i had a wonderful like best friend client who we had installed like 80% of her room and the only thing that hadn't come in yet were her pillows and her curtains and like what we kind of call the soft goods. And so she called me kind of a panic and was like, everything's white. <laughs> and I just, I'm like, I, I, I'm having a hard time and I don't know that I love this coffee table because it's just so, it's so white. I feel like, again, if it were me, I would want to feel like I had some recourse options and I just want to be able to like talk through things and see what my options would be. And so for her and any client, my advice is always like, let's just get the whole picture painted. And if at that point you're still just like not loving the coffee table or not loving this, we'll see what our options are. But I think it, and then of course, two weeks later, her like Navy pillows came in and her floral drapes and everything came in. And I texted her. I was like, just following up. Want to see how you're feeling about the coffee table now. And she's like, you were right. I love it. it. It all, it was like the base layer, but I, I feel like a lot of that is people having a hard time envisioning what it's going to look like. And then it comes in, you know, there's nothing worse when you wait six months, eight months, and you pay thousands of dollars for something and it comes in, you're like, crap, <laughs> I don't like it. Or this is not what I thought it was going to be. And, you know, a lot of times, like I always try to accommodate as best as I can. Cause I feel like, again, my, I love a good challenge. And I feel like that is a challenging part of the job is, okay, well, how do we make this work? Cause you know, ultimately you want your clients to be happy. That's the number one goal. And then you want the space to be cohesive and beautiful. And so, but then there's also that side of it where like, you know, there are clients who I guess don't really, people don't always, you have to like manage their expectations, right? And a lot of times mm -hmm. you're working yeah. with custom pieces that like, we don't really have any recourse on, you know, like, well, this piece was designed for you. So I want to do what I can. Maybe we'll move it to another room. Maybe we'll split the cost to mm -hmm. recover it. I always try to come up with some sort of solution so that at the end of the day, they're happy, we're happy because you can overextend yourself and try too hard to make people happy. So there's that fine line of sort of like, well, like we can't really take this back, but let's see what we can do to make it work, you know? And of course, if it's an error on our part or something comes in damaged or all of that, we, we will do what we got to do. But yeah, I mean, I feel like that's, that's again, like the challenge of the job is once it comes in the, mm -hmm. the drum roll, everyone's holding their breath. Like I love install so much because most of the time it's just like, like I said, magic, seeing it all come together and everyone, the clients are so happy and you're so happy. It's so gratifying, but there's always that like breath holding moment of like, is this going to fit right? Yeah. Are they going to love it? And all of that. So from our side of the things, we probably just need to be a little bit patient and wait until the majority of things are ready to install. And but not I think do it's it important for clients to know that, I, I, again, I, I think that working with a designer 
feels intimidating. And I think it's important for clients to know like they are the client and they need to feel comfortable speaking up and saying like, you know, I, I don't love this or I don't like vocalizing their worries and just leaning into the process and to their designer and trusting them and knowing like if they don't like it, they're going to make it right. Just being able to vocalize what they need to vocalize to feel comfortable in that type of situation. Well, that is one of our questions, actually, is and and again, hopefully the uh, relationship is there and all the communication has been there all along. But so this question won't matter. But what if you're unhappy with your finished product, like in the end? So what happens? I mean, that's a big, big question. And I feel like probably the one that's like top of mind for most people, because again, it's a huge endeavor. It's a huge investment. It is, you know, not a necessity in life. And so I feel like that already adds in a lot of pressure to the situation and expectations. I think it would be subjective to the situation, right? So if, if it's like, because there's so many steps that are taken along the way to ensure that what we've picked and what we've ordered is what you want. So I feel like hopefully you've troubleshot, I don't know if that's the right past tense for that or whatever. You've been troubleshooting this all along the way. But Mm -hmm. I think like that would be my worst nightmare is for like everything to go in a room and the client to be like, I just don't like it because that's, that's a hard part to position to be in. You know, you, you feel like you've done what they've asked you to do all along the way. They've picked out each individual piece. Mm -hmm. They've seen the cost. Mm -hmm. They've seen the dimension. They've seen, you know, as much as we can provide. But I also know that side Mm -hmm. of it of like, that would be devastating to have spent all of this money and time and to not be satisfied. So I think that would come down to like both, both parties, the client and the designer being able, like you said, to have a great And that's why I think chemistry and communication from the beginning is so key because, I mean, a lot of this is inherent in this process. A lot of back and forth and while we aren't crazy, you know, a lot of that is going to come up and these conversations will come up at times and you just have to have a good foundation for when and if it does, how are we going to communicate to like meet in the middle? Okay, well, what if I pay to repaint the room because you don't love the color that I picked out and then maybe... Let's see what happens from there. And then if you, like I had a client who picked a sofa and she, we looked at probably like 50 velvets and she was so afraid of picking the wrong one. And of course she picked it and it came in and she called me in tears and was like, I don't like the velvet and I know it's my fault. I picked it or whatever. So, you know, that's when you got to do a little give and take. Well, okay, well, I'll sell you a new velvet at my cost and then you can have a recovery. You, I think it's just all about compromise. And mm-hmm. I view each project as a relationship with a family or a client. And that is my supreme goal in every project, big or small, like Mm -hmm. the relationship with those people. I look at the big picture and I'm like, you know, they're great clients, they're great people. I want to do everything I can to make sure they're happy. And so whatever I got to do, and and it may be having to have a hard conversation of like, you're stuck with this table. There's not a lot we can do about it, but let me, let's figure out how we can make it work. I think it's just all about a good foundation, good communication, and just being willing both sides to kind of give and take. Okay, so we've talked about some pitfalls and we've talked about some some things gone wrong, but what's been your favorite install? Mm. So I, I actually would have to say, I feel like when you know you work on a project from the genesis, from like, okay, we've bought this house. 
we're working, we've hired an architect, we've hired a builder, we've hired a landscape architect, we've established our team. And then you get to be involved in the whole creative process, you know, working closely with the architect, working closely with the builder, just like a baby, right? So I recently mm-hmm. installed, actually it was about a year ago, I feel like it was recently, <laughs> um, because we're still installing things that still haven't come in from a year ago, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but I, I, I got hired for the project in 2017, and then it was a whole three-year amazing ex- team experience just from the very start. And then to, you know, in a couple of weeks, we're installing your last piece. <laughs> so I would say it's kind of bittersweet, you know, like I, I remember when they moved in, I was like, cause we had Monday meetings there every week. And I, it's like, I felt like I had birthed a child. It was my baby. I, had, I could go in anytime I wanted. I was meeting with people. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, we're done. <laughs> And it's, it's so sad, you know, you like mourn the loss of this amazing experience, but just seeing something from the very start and having clients particularly like this. I remember when they were interviewing me and she had me come to the house, they had purchased it and weren't living in it. And she walked through it with me and was kind of giving me all their ideas. And I was so impressed by what they, the potential they saw in this house And I just knew right then, like, this is going to be an amazing experience. And so installing that job that we had worked on for three years was just so (laughs) gratifying. And then hearing amazing feedback, they're a young family and it just, the way they love and live in the house is, is the most biggest reward. So yeah, I would say that is my favorite. And, and I've done projects like I, I I also have a reason and so I did that is my favorite like single room I've ever done to date um I just loved working with the client and why I think for me again I know I keep saying this but it comes it comes down to my relationship with the people and just mm-hmm. seeing their level of enthusiasm and their gratitude and you know you just want to know that what you put so much effort and your love and your passion into is well reciprocated and enjoyed that's the goal right and so when you see again big or small when you see something through the whole thought process and you see it come to fruition it's just it's super gratifying it makes all mm-hmm. the stress and all the little <laughs> things just it, i i always equate particularly like renovations and like whole house things. But I always equate this process to childbirth and child rearing because, (laughs) you know, being pregnant for nine months is not fun. Childbirth is not fun, but the Mm -hmm. reward of it is amazing. And I feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, God gives you amnesia and you forget all the terrible hard times. Like we lived through our own kitchen renovation in the middle of 2020 summer. And I thought if I ever... Mm -hmm survive this, I will never, ever do this again. Over my dead body, will I ever live through renovation again? And then we moved a year later, and now I'm living through another <laughs> renovation. So oh, I feel no. like, but I think it's so because- it is just like childbirth. You forgot. Yes. You forgot. You forgot, and did you it forgot again. how terrible it was because the reward is so gratifying, you know, or at least you hope it is. You're like, it will be worth it in this yes. new house. We'll just, it's going to be so it's, worth it. It is. Let's it do is. it. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> I am. I totally, my husband thinks I'm especially crazy. Oh. <laughs> well, he's so a great too, fun. so. He is. Well, uh, you know. Fun. It is. Ish. 
Well, it's funny because he like he wants it to be, you know, nice and done. And we just had this amazing new kitchen and then we moved and we're starting all over. And he's like, well, when are we going to, you know, start this? And I'm like, oh, my God, (laughs) get in line, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Emily, do you mind helping us answer a decorating dilemma? Not at all. Not at all. Well, this week is from Heather and she writes, I love your podcast and I listen all the time. You're entertaining and inspirational. You may remember I wrote you a while back trying to figure out what I could do with my master bathroom. Finally, our master bathroom is completely demoed, but now I'm looking for advice on our master bedroom. The door position to the bathroom is changing, which means it affects the bedroom layout. We love finding eclectic, meaningful pieces and like to mix styles. Ultimately, I want our bedroom to be a relaxing place to retreat after work and kid taxi services. <laughs> Here are my that. questions. <laughs> right. What should we do with the side of the room that shares a wall with the bathroom? What should we do with my clothes storage to make it look great and function well? One smaller dresser isn't enough. We discussed making a true closet in that area and eliminated that window. It is almost always closed with the blinds down. We are very open to eliminating that window if that helps to make a layout work. Any recommendations on size and style of nightstands? How do I choose the right finish and color for the furniture? How can I mix wood tones so that they look cohesive? We would like to keep the horse lamp and heirloom, the bench, and possibly the rug. All suggestions are welcome. Thank you so much, Heather. Okay. 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 So in looking at the pictures where I think it shows the bedroom that has the like opening where I guess the bathroom is, um, her question about what should I do with the side of the room that shares the wall with the bathroom. So I'm assuming that also segues into the next question of her clothes storage. Cause it looks like in her picture, she has storage on either side of that opening and then the window she mentioned. So. I think that to me, looking at these pictures is definitely her best bet to get clothing storage there. I never, ever like to block a window. I feel like natural light is so good for the soul. And just whether it's closed all the time or open or whatever, I just, I'm always hesitant to block off a window. So looking at the picture, my suggestion would be, it looks like she has a dresser to the left of the opening now. I would recommend just maybe getting a taller dresser that could accommodate some more storage there and keeping that window access open. And then where she has that sort of like tall armoire. Um, So my biggest, most favorite design trick of the trade. My favorite thing about design, I'm such a sucker for millwork and cabinetry. I feel like built-ins are just, they make such a world of difference. Not only do they look amazing, but they are so practical. So if it is in the budget, which, you know, there's tons of cabinet people out there who can build stuff at all different price ranges, but I would recommend replacing that sort of like big white armoire looking thing with a piece of cabinetry that is customized for the space, which again, I know that sounds expensive, but it doesn't have to be. But then it would, you know, be more cohesive with the room and and she could detail it out to meet her exact needs. Do I need 
tall hanging on this side, any drawers on this side, you can really accomplish a lot, I feel like, with built-ins like that. And if it were my space, that's what I would do there. So, okay, nightstands. Again, looking at the pictures, it looks like there's they're kind of tight for space. And I feel like nightstands are always sort of like user preference. Some people are like, I I need no no drawers. I need a lot of drawers. I need more storage, you know. So I feel like if she felt like she needed more storage, maybe like a dresser-esque or something with drawers would be nice. And I wouldn't recommend going any bigger, it looks like, than what she has now, just so it doesn't like overwhelm the space. And then again, I'm always a huge proponent of white because I feel like it helps things just sort of like blend and meld and disappear. And so I would recommend maybe like some white storage, heavy, functional nightstands. There's some from Ballard in particular that I always love. I wish I knew the name of them off the top of my head. I used to, I I feel like I used to, I used to know so many. I know. Yeah. Well, I feel like I know all the upholstery off the top of my head. But there are some on there yeah, that well, I feel like we... <laughs> it's a vast catalog. I work on but, them and I can't tell you. Yeah, okay, I can't tell you feel better. You're like, but there, I'm picturing yeah, them in my mind. There are some really good... It has like a shelf on it and drawers. I always love a combo like that. So that's what I would put there. Mm-hmm. A lot of people kind of like a combo. You can yes. put your stack of books. But yep, you can also exactly. hide some things too. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Um, I'm always confused by the ones that say they don't want storage because I'm like, do you not have chapstick or sleep masks or like, what do you do with all your things? The things. Okay. I know. (laughs) So. That I don't want to get out of bed for. I want to lean over. Exactly. Um, Your book light. Okay. So how do I choose Mm -hmm. the right finish? Hmm. Okay. So also sort of like, a personal thing. I, I feel like there's no wrong answer here because I love to mix finishes and of like metals and woods and all of that. Um, so I always like kind of think of the finishes on furniture, like cabinets or dressers or whatever, sort of like in terms of contrast, like where do I want to draw attention? So if I, you know, do like white nightstands that I kind of want to disappear, then maybe I want like a cool pine dresser or like pick where you want in the room to be more emphasized and more noticeable and the things you just want to disappear, maybe doing like white or like a light color. And then the other things could be a darker wood, but I don't think there's really any right or wrong way to her next question to mix and match finishes and wood tones. Personally, I kind of like bringing in what you can looking back at the next thing. Oh, the um, heirloom lamp. Yeah, I think I yes, I think I didn't know that was a horse until she said that. I know. I was looking at cool. it. It's really cool. I was like, are you a lion? Yeah. I can't tell. Okay. No. Yes. Well, I love an heirloom. So my I feel like any like family or sentimental pieces are always like of top importance to kind of keep in play. And I feel like looking at these pictures, the rug and that what else is it? And the bench could all all stay in play. Um, they all complement each other really well. And I think just sort of adding in things around the room that complement it would be a, a wise choice. I liked what you said about figuring out where you want the focal point to be. And she's got so many different mixes of the white cabinet and the dark wood dresser and then a lighter wood dresser and then a couple chairs sitting around. Where do you think the emphasis should be? Should the emphasis in a bedroom be 
the bed to draw you in? And should so, dressers be supporting yeah. or? That's a great question. So I, I, I love, I feel like, yes, the bed should, given that it's a bedroom, should definitely, you know, be, have a great focal point in the room. I don't think that always means it needs to be like a bold color or pattern or whatever, but it should have a prominent place in the room. I, I don't love beds. I mean, sometimes there's no way around it, but putting them against a wall or I don't know if you're really into feng shui or all that, but when you walk in a room where the bed is placed, and again, there's sometimes in some situations you there's no workaround, but I feel like walking in and seeing the full bed, the headboard and all is is always huge in a bedroom. And then in terms of layering in the things around the room, like I'm looking back at her pictures again, like you said, and I feel like I would start with sort of your main needs and focal points. So like the bed and then like if she's going to do built-ins and nightstands and maybe pick like three things that will be like your base layer. So I'm going to do like a light rug and a light wall and light cabinets. And then I'm really going to bring the emphasis with like a pattern or a color on the drapes or like your bedding or a chair upholstery. I feel like the wood tones no matter how many are in a room should still sort of just, I, I always feel like they play into like texture of a space and like the feeling of warmth versus the feeling of like, you know, like sterileness and cleanness that white brings. So I don't think you can maybe mix in too many, but I would try to limit what, how many pieces and what all around the room is, you know, darker woods versus upholstery or lighter things. Awesome. No, I think that's great feedback for her. I am excited to see how this bathroom mm-hmm. shapes out too, because that's I know. that's going to be love so the great. Reno process. It is all down to the studs, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yep. Heather, I want to see it. I want to see your bedroom. Yeah, your storage Same. figured out and yes. the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Looks like Please. they're making good progress there. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Emily, for just uh, being so honest and willing to answer. You know some deep questions there and some realistic questions and hopefully this will help people to feel comfortable taking the dive. Um, Yes. Do your research. (laughs) (laughs) Step one, which we all know is always step one. Yes. Always is. But will you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you? Oh, yes. Yes. Um, So I'm, I'm, sadly not very good at social media, but I I have one. My Instagram is at, underscore Wyatt Designs with an S. And I have a really awesome website that just got redone and relaunched. And it is Wyatt-designs.com. Mm-hmm. Well, stay tuned because I had to take a lot of my Ooh. images down for my favorite project because it may or may not be being published. So Ooh. we are going to have to add all those fun things back in at a later date. So check back to the website for more fun. Oh, that's fun. That's exciting. And it Thank makes you for having me. There we go. To. That's right. That's right. Well, this was so fun. I love meeting you guys. I'm so grateful to be, have been included in this. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. 
Until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.